Welcome to our message for this week. We continue a series that looks at how we can be blinded by some of the things that we experience in daily life. And then towards the end, we'll see how blind Bartimaeus could possibly see more clearly than we sometimes do. Last week, we looked at how we're blinded by legalism. Today, we're going to look at being blinded by our materialism. We're still in Mark chapter 10, verses 17 through 31. As Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one but God is good alone. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and your mother. He said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When he heard this, he was shocked, and he went away grieving, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news, who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age, houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, and fields with persecutions, and in the age to come eternal life. But many who were first will be last, and the last will be first. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, help us to see today how our stuff holds us back sometimes. Lord, help us to turn loose. Set us free from the cares of this world that we might be fully in love with you and that we might fully share your love with others. Lord, I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Amen. One year, a certain farmer had a tremendous crop so big his barns wouldn't hold the harvest. So he tore down his barns and built bigger barns and thought to himself, now I will eat, drink, and be merry. Well, God says to him, fool, tonight you die. Then who will get all that you've prepared for yourself? That always seemed like a harsh parable to me. I didn't really get it. In fact, it seemed unfair. It seemed like this man was being punished for success like he was in trouble for doing a good job. The man had worked hard. He did well. I've heard people argue that maybe he mistreated the workers. Maybe he didn't share with the others, but the parable doesn't say that. Uh, simply, he was had done well and was ready to relax and celebrate. I couldn't see where he did anything wrong. We might retell the story. A certain businessman had a great year. Stocks soared. He had a tremendous windfall. I'll buy another house and a boat, faster cars, and so forth. Uh, As a previous boat owner, that story gets a little too close to home for me. 
I mean, what's wrong with making money anyway? And what good is the money if we can't enjoy it? When we start talking about materialism, it seems like we're punished for our success. Uh, in Jesus' day, as in today, many people assume that wealth is a sign of God's blessing, even evidence that God is pleased with us. Now, to be sure, everything we have is a gift from God. But along with that gift, we inherited the mission that was first given to Abraham. When God called Abraham, God promised to bless him with children and with land and with possessions, but there was a purpose behind that. God blessed Abraham so that he would be a blessing to the nations. The very first calling that God really gives us is to be a blessing to others. We are blessed to be a blessing. The geography of the Holy Land really teaches that lesson. It gives an example of it as well as anything I know. The, uh, the Jordan River flows into the Galilee. Uh, comes down from the melted snows on Mount Hermon, forms the Jordan River, and flows into the Sea of Galilee, which is fresh water. It's teeming with life. It provides fresh water and food to the whole region. Uh, and then the Jordan River flows out of the Sea of Galilee and flows down through the Jordan River Valley into the Dead Sea. Well, there's no outlet on the Dead Sea. It's the lowest point on earth above water, above sea level, excuse me, above the ocean. It's 1,300 feet below sea level. So the water that flows into the Dead Sea has nowhere to flow out. It just it sits there, and over the thousands of years that it has sat there, it gets uh, the water evaporates out, leaving minerals behind, so that the saltiness of it's 25%. Nothing can live in it. Well, here's the lesson. The Sea of Galilee, which receives fresh water, but also gives fresh water, receives a blessing, but also gives a blessing, is alive. It's full of animal life and provides life to the whole region. The Dead Sea receives the same blessing, that same fresh water, but it doesn't give any away. And it's become salty. It's become dead. Well, we're called to be more like the Sea of Galilee, to receive the blessing and then to pass it on. The rich man in Mark 10 may have forgotten about Abraham. He might have forgotten that all-important lesson about being a blessing. The man had accumulated a lot of stuff in his life. Well, in today's text, he sets his sights on the next acquisition. He has riches, maybe homes, fine clothes, livestock, rings for his fingers, and now he wants to add eternal life. Listen to the question, what must I do to inherit eternal life? It sounds like a possession. It sounds like something else he wants to get. Jesus, tell me how I can have more. I want to add to my portfolio. Jesus reminds him of the law. Really, Jesus reminds him of the proper use of life and possessions. Blessed to be a blessing, remember? Don't murder. Don't steal. Don't defraud. Don't bear false witness. Honor your parents. Well, the man believes he's done all of those things, and Jesus doesn't really argue with him. He doesn't overtly hurt anyone. He does no harm to people. Um, but how much good does he do to his neighbors? That we don't know. But he couldn't see where he had done anything wrong. By keeping the law, he thought that he had done just fine. Well, to find out, Jesus invites him to use his wealth to bless his neighbors. Now, notice that all the commandments that Jesus quotes are the ones that have to do with interpersonal relationships. 
How are you getting along with your neighbors? How are you treating your neighbors? Well, he says he hasn't heard him, but Jesus gives him one more thing to find out how he really feels about his neighbors. Uh, do all the good that you can. Give it away. Give away your wealth and come and follow me. Jesus is pointing him towards righteousness. I heard one time that a good definition of righteousness is right usefulness. It's using what we have in a right way, and that is to bless others. So Jesus says to the young man, you have a lot. If you want to follow me, use it right. Give it away and come and follow me. He walks away sad and exposed. He's blinded by his materialism. He thought he had kept the commandments by doing no harm, but ultimately loved his stuff more than he loved people. And when we love our stuff more than people, then our eyes are set on materials and not on God. Pretty much everyone in our culture comes to Jesus just like this rich man. We enjoy wealth like the world has never known. Even the poor among us are better off than most of the people that live on the planet right now. Most of the people that have ever lived on the planet, uh, we are uh, embarrassingly rich as a nation. Well, so we come to Jesus rich, and we would like to add eternal life to our possessions. We, we've got all that we have and want to add a little bit more. We want to add eternal life. But we too struggle with Abraham's mission, blessed to be a blessing. We like to think that our wealth allows us to be a bigger blessing, that we excuse our wealth by saying, well, the more I have, the more I can give away. Uh, so we think wealth allows us to be a bigger blessing. And for some, it does, to be, to be true. Some people who have been blessed with a lot in this life have given a lot away and they've changed a lot of lives, and we celebrate those. But on the whole, as you look at our country in the whole, uh, wealth does not translate into generosity. Wealth in our country, on the whole, does not translate into generosity. According to the Atlantic Magazine in 2013, the wealthiest Americans donate 1.3% of their income to charity. 1.3%. The poorest, 3.2%. The poor among us, as a percentage, give three times as much to charity as the wealthiest among us across the board in our country. We are blinded by our materialism. We assume that we're okay because God has blessed us and we've convinced ourselves that we have been generous with that blessing. Even the church struggles with our wealth. We worship in multi-million dollar buildings, buildings that sit empty for most of the week. Meanwhile, our sisters and brothers sleep in the streets and in tent cities at the edge of town. We've got these fine, wonderful facilities Many of our sisters and brothers have nothing. I fear the church will have to give account for its too often poor use of its resources. Now, I know the answer to that's not easy, and, and I'm, I can't offer a quick one today. But it's a question we have to wrestle with. If God has blessed the church with such enormous riches and resources in our culture, how do we justify the poor that live within the shadows of our steeples? We do come to Jesus just like the rich man with the same question. What must we do to inherit eternal life? 
And Jesus says to us, keep the commandments, do no harm, but also do all the good that you can. It's not enough that we just not hurt the people around us. We should improve their lives. We should make their lives better. Let's use our blessings to be a blessing. Because eternal life is not measured by how much we have, but how we use what we have to do good. This week, I'd like to invite you to go out and be a blessing to our community. Particularly, be a blessing to people that you might have a gripe against you. Find somebody that doesn't like you and just bless them. Just love them because God loves us. Uh, this week, choose three people to be a blessing to. A, a huge tip to your waitress. If you're going through the fast food line, buy the food of the car behind you or reach out to a neighbor or do something to bless someone this week. Three times. That is our calling. We are blessed to be a blessing. Amen.